Good evening and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. How are you doing tonight? We have Mark Knight on promoting his solo album. How are you doing, man? Doing great, Sean. Thanks for having me. I'm oh, good. Glad you could come on. Yeah. We know we know you from Bang Tango, but you've done a plethora of other solo albums that we, you know, we're just touching base on. Um, going back, you have a few albums as the Unsung Heroes. Actually, where did that, that band name come from? Uh so you know, I kind of put out this one record called Bone Rail Tight, and it was a real solo Mark Knight record uh, with some great friends. And I wanted to kind of put a band, a live band together. Uh, so I came up, I was thinking of, okay, well, let's, let's, let's give it a band name. So um, mm-hmm. the Unsung Heroes I thought of is a lot of the guys that uh, were playing with me at the time and still do are just incredible players and, and kind of unsung. They're not, you know, they're not really, mm-hmm. they're not like, big famous hired gun guys or real name guys, but definitely all credible musicians that are are known, but they're unsung. So I thought of the unsung heroes and uh, my guitar player, Mark, uh, Mark Malia, he goes, I'll go with that one. I gave him like three options. Like, what do you think of that song? He goes, I like the unsung hero. Let's use that. So yeah, it's tough. It's, it's a good one. I didn't know if I had to get a little bit of the story. That's pretty cool. Um, before we talk on the new album, going back briefly, you have a couple of songs you're talking about on iTunes, and I know you have a lot more, but for anybody that's listening wants to go back a little bit deeper, you know, as far as iTunes goes, Roadstick Eyes is probably the, the earliest thing I think that you probably have. Then you uh, have I think on, on iTunes, yeah, that's iTunes, probably. Yeah. yeah. Then Don't Kill a Cat. That album feels a little more like a bluesy, country-ish tinge nope. to me. To me. Don't Kill the yeah. Cat? Yeah. Got some, there's some really know. great rootsy rockers on it. Yeah. I don't mean country as in top 40 country either. I mean like sure. country, western, nice rockabilly kind of fun little oh, rest. Right Thanks. Thanks. Something yeah, that was, yeah. That was uh, you know, I just write songs. I don't know. That's, that's, that was that evolution of time. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's songs like, uh, you know, like um, Hey Mama is a pretty much blues rockery, right? And, yeah. And there's a lot of singer-songwriter stuff on that, basically electrified kind of with the band. Yeah, you know, more like in the veins of like, you know, ZZ Top and the Southern Rocky bluesy kind of, you know, kind of, that kind of stuff. Not, you know, like glittery. <laughs> no, 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 I, know I don't get that as a journey where people hear this. They're like, oh, really? No, I know no, 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 Actually, no, I know. Go back, go back one more. Uh, well, that, yeah, Roast Guys. Roast Guys is yeah. really, a really Southern Rock kind of. Uh, I was really, at that time, doing a lot of touring in the South and kind of really sponging up a lot of the um, lifestyle out there. And um, that was to me like more of a, you know, that kind of Americana trip, but uh, it was real roots. Yeah. It was real stripped down. It was four guys went to the studio and tracked all the basics. There wasn't a lot of overdubs. It was real raw. And I, I dig that record. That, and, you know, they've evolved into different directions from there. This one feels like it's actually a little bit of everything in it. The newest one. I feel uh, like right it's, on. it's got, it's got, it's got a thing. I definitely Americana. And that's the word I was going to use tonight is, is the feel for this album, you know, very much in like, like if you like Tom Petty, you're gonna like this album, I think. <laughs> that's like you my, know? that's my main dude. <laughs> I'm a big Is it? Yeah, oh, I love okay. him too. It doesn't sound like Tom Petty, but it's got the rock with that southern feel to it. So it's easy to, to switch over to an artist. Is what I'm saying, you know? Yeah, I you kind know? of I kind of write a lot of the songs. Most all my songs are written on acoustic, and then I electrify them yep. um, with electric in a band. So it, they do come across. Uh, that kind of twangy kind of vibe and keeping the electric and the uh, orchestration of the instruments kind of in that same vein without going too heavy or too, you know, just keep it yeah. w- where it was originally written. 
I could hear another man's woman sung by Tom Petty. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> it totally would be the best. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so good. It actually, thank it, you. Oh, I love that song. That's like to me. That's like one of the lost tracks. I think. I Is mean, it? not lost tracks. It made the record, but I think it's but, one of those ones that are going to kind of go unnoticed. And yeah, that song's really cool. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I think it very much. Now, you, you on yourself are a very, a very good singer. So it's don't. I'm not taking anything from your your vocals. You are a standalone singer oh, you. I um appreciate that. i worked hard at it It took many years to get that together <laughs> did you uh, well i mean and i just talked with you tonight i was talking about like being a singer and a guitar player doing background vocals and playing in a show is different than singing lead vocals and playing guitar with some lead riffs at the same time it's like two different things at once so that's a challenge that it took years i'll, I'll be honest from, from bang tango like i never wanted to be a lead singer as a guitar player, you know, and then uh, hmm. I started writing these songs and like nobody could really grasp what I was trying to get. And most of the singers that I had sing them would be like, yeah, you should sing your own stuff. So I took a, yeah, I took a lot of a beating and to get it together. A lot of people were like, yeah, you shouldn't be singing. Come on. And over, over years and years and years of me just going along and I never stop. I just continue to kind of like hone my craft and get it together and also be able to play and sing, like you said. And some of those riff rock songs are kind of, kind of tricky to sing and play yeah. but uh you know uh you, you practice enough and you keep doing it it will it'll come together and um you know I, I just never gave up on it i just kept doing it and you know people would always tell me you should get a side managers come in and out throughout my year career and be like get you a singer and you'll be you're gonna go huge and i'd be like no nah, man i'm gonna do it myself and here i am still doing it <laughs> so i appreciate that yeah. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. I, I don't think a singer would have made a difference. I think you're better off doing your own thing. I, I don't think it's it's. You already have a band that you can be with a singer, so yeah. There <laughs> you already have Bang Tango because you guys are back together, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, we got back together, uh, you know, last year uh, and did that one show at the Whiskey uh, last January, and uh, plan to do some more shows once all this, uh, you know, the pandemic COVID's over. Chills out. Yeah. So, so the point is, yeah, someday we'll go back to Bang Tango for you Bang Tango fans. I love them too, but <laughs> this album is, is really, really badass. You got to check it out. Um, and you already have a singer that does something different. This is totally different in its own vein. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Um, I'd actually like to talk about some of your players. We'll go through the songs and we'll go through some of the production. Who, uh, who recorded this album for you? Uh, Edward Shemaski, my drummer. He basically was the engineer and, uh, he he did all the recording uh we did some recording at um adam hamilton's i think you know adam right i yeah, did yeah, yeah 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 adam uh, recorded the drums at his studio and then edward uh the drummer in the unsung heroes he he did all the overdub recording and we recorded a lot of it at my house here on this laptop i'm talking to you on yeah so uh you know, basically a lot of the guitars, the vocals were done here at my house, my studio with Edward Engineering. Um, and that's pretty much how uh, we recorded it. it some, sounds, of the, sounds... some of the stuff was mailed in, like uh, yeah. some of the bass parts and some of the, uh, the musicians had uh, basically like send files to us from overseas and different, like Reeve Downs from the Rhino Bucket. He uh, yeah. played on four tracks. And, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He was here one, one, one period of time we got him in the studio, but then he had sent us stuff. From, how that happened? How'd you get him on the, the hook for that? Well, I played with Rhino Bucket a little bit. I don't know if you know that. Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, I played guitar for oh, them. Bad interviewer, bad interviewer. <laughs> bad <laughs> no, interviewer. it was a short period of time. Like when uh, Brian was doing the kick stuff, I had, uh, they asked me to play like, I don't know, I did like a half dozen shows with them. Oh, how much fun did, is that? What's that? 
I said, how much fun was that? Huh? Oh, it was great. I loved it. Those guys yeah, rule. Yeah, great. Yeah, good. So me and Reeve, you know, the whole band was just so cool, all those cats. And and me and Reeve hit it off and he joined the Unsung Heroes and he did Road Sick Eyes record with me. Oh. Yeah. So okay. he was like the official original Unsung Hero member, uh, Reeve Downs. Yeah. So well, I What's that? I said everybody, everybody in that band, even Ronald Bucket, is another unsung hero band. There you go. <laughs> See? So you were spot on. Yeah. Thanks. You, I'm sorry, you walked on. I walked on you. You were talking. You said he was. You think he played on every song? You were saying. On the I think he one? played on every record. I think he. I'm not sure if he played on "Don't Kill the Cat," but he's he's played on all my other records, like the solo record "Mark Knight." He played on uh, on "Road Sick Eyes," and I think I I, I want to say he played on "Don't Kill the Cat," but. 100%. And then he played on four tracks on the new one. I think he played on Another Man's Woman. I think that's that's Reeve. Did he? Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, because there's a little bit of slide guitar in there too, right? Not, maybe, is that that song? It's some songs. A little bit of slide guitar somewhere in the album? Yeah, I did that. Who's doing that? Is it you? Yeah. Nice. Normally I get people to do slide, but you know, I, I, you know, I can do it when I'm sitting around. I can't do it live and sing, so I'll get somebody to do that, obviously, but you either um, do it or you can't. Either can do it or you can't. Like when you for their song, you know what I mean? There's no that was close. It's not good if it's close. Slide is just a, a beast in itself, and yeah, it you is. know, um, I'm good friends with Dwayne Betts, you know, Dickie Betts' son, <laughs> yep. and we used to hang out and jam all the time. And he he every once in a while I pick up a slide. He goes, just don't. He goes, don't pick up a slide unless you can really do it. And I was like, okay, forget the slide. But you know, I I did it in Bang Tango. I played some slide in Bang Tango, some of those records, mm-hmm. and um you know i ended up doing some slide on this one yeah it's good it sounds good it's, it's in the right spot it's not overdone it's, it's just uh, just the perfect amount of words thanks yeah I just it color it, it just use it for yeah. the instrumentation not so much like hey i can play slide check me out yeah. no but i did notice it I, I think i was gonna say one of the things i was listening to when, when an album is is um sorry, is that, is that a bex actually what's is that, that no that's a heineken for me oh the bex. cheers <laughs> <laughs> cheers um I'm always I'm always very much into listening to the, the drums because vocals and guitar sound good. You can always kind of replicate them anywhere. Drums, where you're going with them, I'm always listening. And I, I, and I like this. Uh, at first, I was listening to the drums. I really like it. I like the kick. I like the feeling. I like the sound. It's very live sounding, very warm. I think that lends the album of probably the rockability Americana classic rock feel, I think, some of it. To, well, to me, the color weight. You're right. You're absolutely right about drums. And that's the hardest thing to record, right? You can't really get great drum sounds in your living room or your garage even so that's where we went to adam you know because adam has this great studio his great engineer and you know that's that's where i had to like throw down some money to get those drums recorded properly because all my past records you know they're a little wonky but but we got really good drum sounds over at adam's and then edward um you know, EQ'd them and mixed them and made them all. He he's a drummer, so well that's the thing and Adam is too. So to get to two got two drummers working on the drum sound. Yeah. I mean, it's win-win for you because no one's going to let that go. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, exactly. You. So I'm just like drums to me now. I don't even hear my vocals anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, the drums are very, very important on making a good record, a good sounding record, always. Yeah. Like I said, they're the hardest things to record. And I would never attempt to do it like here at my house. You know, it's just, I could for something real low, lo-fi kind of, but for a, for, for a, a rock, rock sound or a, a record, like a full record yeah. we just did. Yeah, it's hard. But, and um, you need I, like I mean, I, I love them. And I think, like, you could get away with it. Like, you could use some slower songs. You could get away with it. But there's songs like Rusty Bones. I'm looking down at the lyrics. I'm off the top of my head. You know, Fools Like You, which you're talking about, I love. 
you know, these are those songs need the big songs, they're big sounding. Yeah. You know, um, and and drums is a lost art on rock records. I think. I I, I think it's yeah. Kind of, it used to be so important back in the day. Now it was just like yeah. using drum machines and like programming. Kind of, yeah. Blast stuff. it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it used to be like set it up. It's gonna take a couple of weeks. We can get the drum set. Yeah. Yeah. In the eighties and you know the, the early nineties, back in the Bang Tango day, I mean, drums would take like two weeks to get sounds. You know, some of these guys would just be like, some of these you know producers would spend so much time on drums. They'd be in there. Mm-hmm weeks and they're like oh we got a snare sound finally <laughs> okay. yeah it did uh, yeah. get a little, little over the top i was thinking unfortunately rock ate itself at that point and you know sadly enough all the reverb <laughs> like you know, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like those those bad like early white snake and stuff i mean not early but 80s rock white snake there was so much reverb on those those drums it's like you could record there those are, anywhere and put the reverb on them <laughs> there are some albums that in the 80s i'm not even gonna go into but i love the the, the bands and the music and and i can't listen to them because it feels like it feels like it's a slick it feels like it's all the key of one key it feels like it's just a wall of sound like it's just yeah you know and not like a phil specter wall of sound just like oh i know i know just... tone where it doesn't and i'm like there's no definition there's no nothing popping out even the singers down in the mix where it's everything's up it's just, as hell yeah everything's just yeah. squashed but these yeah. platinum albums though too so i mean what do i know right so <laughs> <laughs> it's a real difference now though back then that's for sure i mean yeah so i mean but too much I, I, everything was I too much yeah oh great thanks yeah i, mean, I try to keep it you know uh you know space for all the instruments as always like get, give it depth like you said not pin everything to the to the tilt uh and keep the compression where it's not too squashed where everything's just like and you know your ears are bleeding so um you know i, I it, but this is a bit of a rock record as opposed to some of my earlier ones. So um, it, it does have like that kind of punch, you know. It does. And it has a good, and I like it. I like the list, the way it goes through. I mean, actually, let's go through through some of it sure. while we talk about it. Um, it's a good rundown. Do you put the list? Who, who came up with the song list? Uh, the, you know, I did. Cohesiveness. You did? Yeah. It works good. Thanks. It, works together. it was hard, but some. it's always difficult because you write all these songs, you record them all, you love them all, and you just, you're, can't separate yourself from them and too then, personal from it yeah yeah and then eventually like for me like they're just like somehow they just kind of like i got it <laughs> they just come out i did it with same with don't kill the cat i just kind of oh, i think this one should go here this one should go here and this you know and it's just and i I threw him by edward and he goes i would move he had me move like one or two at the end of the of yeah the round. yeah that's how it happened well yeah i think you know well rusty bones is, is a great opener i mean thanks Awesome. That uh, what was that one about? Like inspiration wise, I mean, uh, Rusty Bones is actually about an old friend of mine who, uh, you know, uh, was involved in a kind of crazy relationship, and basically, uh, she was like just making him a crazy man, <laughs> you know, make him sing for meds, you know, all those different yeah. lines. Of basically, about about him back then, he doesn't even know it. I don't think. One day, I'll tell him. Hey, you play you for him. Ask him how he likes it. <laughs> hey what do you think of that song oh it's great yeah it's about really, you and your wife, ex-girlfriend <laughs> really hits home feels weird feels like it's about me um I tend to do so, that to next song. <laughs> <laughs> it's wise choices the wise choices and it's actually we were talking about that prior to this gonna break the fourth wall here we were talking prior to we went in the air um that's kind of your lead off single it's a little more mellow 
yeah, you know, I just thought it had a good hook, you know, and it rocks and certain, you know, it builds. The song starts off kind of acoustic and mellow and then goes into this like hokey chorus. And I thought it had some nice guitar work on it. I felt like it, it would be like something that people could be like, oh, this is kind of all over the place, but represents the record. Yeah. And see, as disclaimer earlier, I was actually saying I would have put that song second as a release, and I would say I think Fools like you should have been the first release. I think we should have done this interview before we put the record out because those are some good. That's some good advice. I think you I don't know. About, I, don't know about that. I just I'm, I'm very honest when I do this. The music's all good, but I'm saying like what the continuity of listening to. I would just go for production too. So like they drill into your mind of like what goes and what works. Yeah. So I'm always, I'm I'd have been listening. right. I mean, I I thought and you. Nobody else has said this, but. I think Fools Like You is the next one. And you said it. I was like, wow, he's he's on the same page here. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you know what it is, it is, is Fools Like You is a rocker, but also shows some mellowness. And you want to, it just kind of sets a tone because half the album is White's Choice and the other half is a rocker. And everyone always knows that it's going to be mellow songs on an album, assumed. Sure. Yeah. So you start off kind of with an upbeat, introducing everybody. Hey, I'm here. Party. It's a rocker. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I also think that that could also be on different... You wouldn't be locked into a market so much without fools like you could probably go rock radio. It could kind of go to a few different places, you know what I mean? Right. That that's kind of the thought on that one. You know? Um it just seems it, like an obvious hooky kind of big song, you know. We, it, it's a good song. Heavy guitars and uh but like you said, it also breaks down and it's um yeah, I like that. That one really was a came out. It actually has the break has actually has a breakdown in it too. I like that breakdown in it too. Like oh, towards yeah, the, the middle. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, cool. I, I love that in a song when songs do that. Um yeah, that's probably one of the reasons. Uh your title song, Days of a Dreamer. How about that one? Got any thoughts on that one? <laughs> you know, that's just a moody one. That's kind of an emo rocker, kind of indie rock kind of sound I was messing around with. And the the musician kind of the orchestration of that song is really interesting if you break it down i mean the way the chords are put together the way it's it's not like a like a formatted pop hit kind of arrangement Mm -hmm. it's different and i i just uh i don't know i just i just it just felt good to play i always like the way and i like the way it came out it's it's kind of like you know like i said it's a little bit more of a kind of an indie rock kind of vibe you know it is Uh, yeah It's, it's it's upbeat it's nice um I would say that actually, I, I would probably do that after uh, Fools Like You. Really? Oh, that's yeah. your third. That's and, your third. That's why, and then, then I say, oh, I, I think you have a couple. I, I think you could release half his album singles. And then I would do um, Open Wounds. Ah, uh, yeah. I dig that one. I dig that one. And I, you know, I get deep in the album for that one before you release it, kind of get some work, get, get out there when they, and, and get to actually be playing out some something like that. But um, that's my daughter singing with me on that one. She's nice. Singing. Scarlet Ray, Night, yeah. My Daughter, Sing Background on that one. Good story behind that one. I wrote that one literally like 25 years ago, and it was on a demo. And yeah. uh, I lost the demo, and Tig Kettler from Bang Tango, my drummer, because yeah. uh, I found this Sound Scraps cassette, and I go, man, that's like the lost song. Send me that. Sends me that. There were like 10 songs on it, and I heard that one. I'm like, oh, Open Wounds wow forgot about this one and my wife for it she goes you got to redo that so i did a rewrite and uh mm-hmm. made this record That's i love it. that i i love i mean i love nuggets like that i think it's great that you wrote something so far back and you've got it back you retooled it a little bit and then you got to do it with your kid who would have thought when you wrote that 25 years ago you'd be like you'd be writing that with your kid it's like how fantastic right. is that no you know way I mean? yeah exactly that's so cool 
to share something like that with your kid. At that time, I was like, right, right? I was like 27 or eight, you know, and right. now she's like almost 20 and she's saying with me. Yeah, it's really kind of a cool That's, story. It, it, that is awesome. I like that. Um, a thousand times. Go heads up on that one. Uh, that one is another one of kind of in the same vein as uh, like Days of a Dreamer. I was kind of on this kind of style for a little bit, which was um, kind of groove oriented. Um, Wayne Lothian, he played for uh, English Beat. Um, he was in the band for a little bit. He uh, he heard that song and said, oh, man, let me let me work on that. So he basically took that song and produced it. And um, he just loved the song. And um, it was one of my favorites, too. It's not a hooky kind of song, but it's just got this drivey, like a driving kind of song it's a journey it's more of a journey song like it's yeah, not, yeah. not journey the band no i know like a that? journey like you're taking <laughs> a journey yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i just want to clarify to some people you know yeah. like, no, dream. no not the band the exam you know yeah words. and then i brought in like an ebo i don't know if you know if you're a guitar player but you know like what, what? an ebo is right so i it, i was hearing like a string section for that so i brought in this the ebo and it kind of had that bowing kind of electric and i that added to the demo when i did the demo of it and I'm like, whoa, that's huge. Okay, this song's going to be cool. And almost some of the musicianship and the uh, music was more uh, appealing to me on the song than just the actual melody and the and the lyric. But um, yeah, I'm really happy with that one. I like it too. I think it's going to be like one of those. Someone's going to go back to it and be like, oh, it's going to like grow on them and be like, like, like kind of like they're like a sleeper. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to sneak yeah. up on them and be like, oh, yeah. I think it's, that might be my favorite song. Like after that, like <laughs> six months into it or something, I think it's going to. You gotta well, have those on a record, right? Well, most people hear the songs that jump out at them, and have catchy, and they want to know the words. Yeah. They don't want to learn. You know I mean, so when you got a little effort into it, sometimes it takes a little bit for for some listeners to, you know, that's why pop radio is so great for some people. You know, yeah, but then they get over it real fast. That's the thing about pop exactly. music; they yeah, love exactly it for a week, and then it's but songs like, you know, like you said, like a thousand times. It's kind of like, well, oh man, that song's pretty cool. Like, oh, it's growing on me. Oh, I like this more than anything. You know. It makes you want to go back and listen to it again because that's how I was as a kid. Like I hear pop songs, and go, oh, it's great. I just want to hear it a thousand times, and you're like, I can't listen to it again. But the deep tracks and the deep cuts, you know, at the best, those are the ones you always kind of like hold on to for longer. Yeah, I think so. So fools like you. Now that is just a great song. It probably stands out a little bit differently sound wise. I think feels uh, well, a little bit. More it was, rocker. It was the last. It was. It was. The record was done. I had written all the songs, and then uh, something kind of spurred me to write those lyrics. <laughs> uh, and I did it on acoustic, and I demoed it with just an acoustic guitar and no drums, no nothing. I sent it to Edward, and I'm like, I think we could build this into like a big rock song. So it went from basically like two acoustics and a vocal, mm-hmm. and to that. And we we just rocked it out, you know. We went for big guitar sounds, like you know, cranked up the Marshalls, and um, and then um, Kyle Stevens, who plays with me, uh, he's from Bang Tango. He came up yep. with that little that little ch- changity thing, and the, uh, there's the intro riff. He came up with that little weird sounding kind of thing that made it different from just the the one guitar riff, and that was kind of special. Made it kind of you know good poppy intro, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just came together. I, I love the way it came out. It yeah. does. And it sounds like it's like, you know, like it's catchy, but you know, at the same time, I, I like the layering of the chorus for the song though. It's kind of smart. It's, it's very, 
Keith like England, you know who Keith England? He sang with uh, the Almond Brothers. He's a good friend of mine. He sang the highs, the top end. Yep. He got up there really high and gave us like four or five of those back. And we placed them real subtle in the mix. So they're like blended in with my vo vocal, mm -hmm. but not overdoing it. It just kind of just fattens it, you know? Um, so yeah, he did He did a really great job with that. I mean, you know, but even, even the way the lyrics, the chorus goes, it's not like it's one, two separate. It's like the kind of like everything, the way it's layered and the whole thing is just in the chorus is really, I like that probably is good, it's smart. So, um, thank you. I like that, yeah. Well. It's been a fun album to, to check out and to review. It's really, you know. Right on. Cool. Yeah, thank, God it wasn't a, thank God it wasn't a bomb, man, Mark. You would have killed me. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't have got the interview. would be like, ah, man. Dude, man, it was a stinker. I can't, I can't sit through it, man. No, I, I probably listened to it, I don't know, five or six times already. Um, awesome. Wow, cool. So you know yeah. this Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I do. Um, so we're talking Open Wounds is a good one. Um, obviously, you know. Um, so judge me. Oh, judge me. That was just a feels um, a little southern. My hat's off to the stones. It really didn't come out like that, but basically open G tuning, uh Telly mm -hmm. vibe, came up with the riff, came up with some real life uh lyrics about kind of stuff that goes on with me and kind of created my life. Uh and uh had some kind of quirky, cool, funny lyrics and that uh yep. and that came together. Um Another interesting arrangement, but it's it's really like a one four five kind of bluesy kind of um, yep. progression, but just mixed up in a different way. Kind of how I'm a big Stones fan. Um, kind of how they can mix up the one four five and do it in different ways. And <clears throat> um, my buddy Keith England sang background on that one as well. Um, and it wasn't quite the rocker it came out to be. I mean, it was more of like a Stones kind of a little bit cleaned up, more guitars, not so distorted and so rah, rah, you know. And uh, anyways. Um, yeah, that, that's that's kind of story behind that one. Well, was, was, you know, I, I love to ask you know a little bit behind them because with this album, all your songs are not like stacked in a way where it's like bridge, verse, chorus, four, 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 four. Like every song, it's not like I know it's gonna be catchy. Like you know, it's the whole way through. You have to listen to this a few times because each song is its own animal, the way it's built. So you're not gonna get. It's not a. Uh, it's not a pop song. It's not a pop album. Yeah, well, that's just my crazy brain and how I put things together. And it's I not think a bad thing. It's not a bad I think, thing. Yeah, well, I know. It's just that's just like my creative weirdness that like um, I think they're just generic. Some of them, and I'm like, people are like, no way, this arrangement is bizarre. You put this here, and then you add these two bars, and like yeah. playing with different musicians throughout the years, even with Bang Tango, like we did a lot of that too. You know, it it just wasn't um, it wasn't like traditional like formatted pop kind of arrangements even though i think it is sometimes i think they're just normal songs but there's twists and kind of like i kind of let the song write itself when i'm writing sometimes and be like oh well, you know obviously you want to hear a chorus here but hey let's break it down and do this and then bring it back up to the chorus again or so you know that's that's just kind of my natural uh way of writing it's 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 interesting and it lays out good like i said the way you you format the album it worked really well with this um now, Another Man's Woman, we were talking about. This is the, the hidden Tom Petty soundtrack that... That's amazing you think it sounds like Tom Petty. I never thought that. It sounds like... Tom I'm sorry to label it. Did I label it? I'm sorry, dude. I can hear you think that, like, obviously, a wise choice sounds like Tom Petty, straight up. But, like, but maybe, like, Petty would do something like this, but maybe not so drivey, like, you know. But, um, 
to me it sounded like like a zz top song or something you know? oh i like, think i heard some of the riffs in there but i'm saying but there's i'm a big petty fan too i got the i go deep with the anthologies and stuff too so uh-huh. i'm thinking early petty on this one okay um, yeah. uh but but that should be you guys see that towards the end of your set maybe okay that'd be a good one I'm I don't think it's going to be like have you help me write the live set I know right it'd be like <laughs> you're like, like this interview was such a jerk like he's telling me what to do just saying it's just my opinions nobody else listens to me in this house so you know. hey yeah it's better than no opinions <laughs> some people don't tell me anything and I'm like what do you think oh well, yeah I'm not I'm not I'm not, hey, I'm not gonna do, be do whatever you want man it's your band <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, I'm not yeah. a yes man I'm just saying from the outside looking in I think those would be such a fun set to like to, at the end because this is a good song to kind of have fun yeah. with I think awesome yeah. yeah I'm stoked on that one use the fuzz pedal on that one heavy yeah. heavy you like, know vintage sounding fuzz and um you know that song is a true story kind of about um another couple of months they were a couple going through some weird stuff and um you know it's subject and you know the breakdowns were cool and different and um yeah edward added the kick you know the kick drum on those parts and yeah that one came out great i'm, I'm happy with that one it's kind of like the pre-chorus is more of the chorus so wait because then it goes down to the verse it's less of a thing i yep. like that it's like a yeah a twist to it there you that know, almost not... was the hook when i was writing it i felt the same way i'm like that feels more like the catch the catch you know um but that would be too easy actual... what's that that'd be too easy i kind of like the fact that of course and it goes back down and that's why i think it's like it's, it's be kind of a live song it's it'd be a fun towards the end of a set live song let your hair down because it's it's a different groove to it you know it's heavy yeah. but it's yeah it's got a little different thing you know um but dark roots oh yeah that one yeah that one's uh that one came you know it it's pretty produced as you can hear there's a lot of stuff going on um oohs and ahs and vocals and stuff um but um, I had this one guy just flip out on that song. Um, a fan of mine, just when I put this out last week, I mean, he he must have wrote me three or four uh, personal messages about this song moving him and how okay. it, not to get morbid or anything, but he goes, my, my one of my friends died and she, I think she sent me this song and like he just flipped on this song. I'm like, wow, Dark Roots really he goes, man, I can't tell you how great this is. He must have wrote me like six messages. And I'm like, well, cool, man. <laughs> uh, nothing better than moving people musically. And he goes, I don't want to get crazy on you, but my ex, you know, she might, I think she sent this to me from, from the other, you know, I'm like, all right. Man. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that's just a uh, personal story, kind of personal uh, experiences, you know, my daughter's moving out and uh, growing up and you know, yeah, letting it all go and kind of uh, letting the past behind and, you know, I got kids the same age, going older between the ages. The younger, you're like, God, I can't wait till they move out. And then they get to the age, you're like, I want to stay from the air. Yeah, free rent, yeah. you know, food. Like, also, it changes as they get older because then they become like, like friends, and, and, and it's, it's a different world. Yeah. It's, and then it's they don't want to be around you anymore. And then you're yeah. like, wait. You, you wanted them gone for all those years and then they're uh-huh. gone you're like yep. wait hey can't you call me once a week <laughs> cats in the cradle it's a whole yeah, thing exactly so, you know like stupid song it's such yeah. a good song now it's gotta be mean something to me before <laughs> um, it used to just be a cool song exactly now, now, now yeah you have daughters i have a yeah i have a daughter and uh, two sons I, so oh. i know and, and i have a grandson so oh, wow. you know the, the, i always say the younger at the younger age you know they love you they love you or an 11, I always talk about it, like when the kids come like around 11, you want to stop not, you don't want to be that close to them, you want to start slowly pushing away from them, because they're going to break your heart and not want to be around you for like 10 years. Smart. Until they get older. 
You know, yep. that's easy. That's hard, especially with girls. I have two daughters, you know, yeah. 19 and it's 21, true. and you're like, woo. <laughs> yeah, my daughter's at 19. Unconditional so. love, right? You just can't, you know, no matter what, you've, you've raised them and you've protected them your whole life, and now they're gone. You're like, well, but, uh, you know, I have, I have good relationships with both of them, you know, still. It's going to be hard. Yeah, it's hard, though. I can't, I can't imagine that myself. I don't want to think about it. Way to bum me out, Mark. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just harassing you. Sometimes you gotta just go. Hey, I got my freedom. I always wanted it. Now I have it. Now I'm not. Now I'm upset about it because they're gone. Wait. <laughs> I didn't even have to go that far. I had in my head. I know. I just, I'm just never happy. Is what it is. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's life. I just gonna complain about something else. I'll be lonely and complaining. Those girls let me complain now. Um, <laughs> totally true. My wife? No, it's not gonna happen. I, that, I don't know. Um, checking out. That's another fun one. Yeah, that's probably my favorite track on the record. Um, yeah, because lyrically, I just think I nailed it. It's it's the guitars. I mean, just the way it came together. Um, just I love that one. You know, that that's probably like, you know, I wanted to put it up. It's not like very poppy or whatever cookie, but I wanted to put it up further up in the set on the record on the uh, sequencing, mm-hmm. but um it's it's pretty good it's kind of like a like another sleeper kind of like what is this you know yeah mm-hmm. here's another one yeah so uh, i was really happy with that one well, i think if it's good i think in the the second half of the album I, I, I'm, a vinyl, I'm a vinyl man i actually do vinyl uh episodes too with people but i'm come back on we talk about vinyl so I, I imagine this being a vinyl album I, so like the second half is much more of a, of a a mid-tempo to slow song moodier mm-hmm. kind of a fun it fits it works good like that you know because from checking out, it goes lost on the road, and I love that one. You know, that one that barely made one. It. I, it. It almost didn't make it, but I fought for it because I just thought it was a moody. It's your album? Who were you fighting with yourself? <laughs> I was the guys in the band, and you know, people, you know, different different opinions outside of me. I, you know, ask one, well, I don't know. It's, it's, um, that actually I wrote for um, "Don't Kill the Cat" record, but we didn't yeah. we didn't record it, so it, it made this record and. Uh, um came out came out really cool that one it's got a good vibe you know it's different and i think it's placed pretty good in the sequencing too later on i think so yeah kind of moody you know Mm -hmm. got a couple good comments on that one already this week or last week so um yeah i think i think they work well checking out into lost in the road also work really well to sequence together well like the way those two work as far as going to so mid-july another one kind of a uh, that one didn't really come out like as great as I wanted it to production wise. I kind of wanted it to be a little bit more countrified, a little bit um, not so big band sounding and driving like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my hard hearts would probably would have done that one over and had it just a little bit more broken down a little bit, not so driving and heavy, um, but great song. I wrote it on a Dobro guitar and, um, you know, ended up using the Dobro on it, but it just, I mean, you know, it made the record, but I think it could have just been done a little differently. Um, but, you know, probably the only one I would say on the record that I was like, ah, I wish I could have maybe given that another crack. <laughs> That's why it's number 12. <laughs> well, well, but then you end with The Party's Over, which is a great title to end. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> the album. You know, sorry, yeah, folks. So, That's my friend um, Angie. She sang with me from Angie and the Deserters. Yep. She, uh, she came out and, um, yeah, originally I had sung the whole song and then um, I thought about maybe having her, you know, sing some backgrounds on it. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. 
no, let's see, let's like let her just sing the song through and see what we want to use from her actually singing the lead vocals and we you know pieced it together um and kind of made a duet out of it at one point i was like leaning uh, i was singing actually more than she was in the mix yeah. so we had to like bring her back in and do some different like uh it surprised papers. me too because yeah. i was not expect i had to, like hit back i'm like go back to the beginning of the song i'm like wait what because the whole album was just see like i wasn't expecting like at this point in the album now you're gonna be co-singing you know what i mean like at this point i just you know what if we did one with her we mixed it and we decided we weren't going to use her and i went and they used my voice and to me the song was just boring it was better with her doing it and i like what she did we just needed to kind of like hone it in a little bit better but um, I just thought it was interesting for the record and different. And like, you know, you're going to hear this whole record of constantly hearing me sing on every record I've ever done. All of a sudden there's a guest singer with me, which was like, yeah, it might be a little special thing for, for the overall closing of the record. So I made the That's decision good. to like, I went to bat for her. I'm like, uh, come on. And we went in and remixed it and did some stuff with her voice and got her kind of pick some different tracks. And um, Wayne Lothan came in, he came in the bass player who, Works with English Beat and who, who uh, produced a thousand times. He came back and kind of lent an ear to it, and he said, uh, "Let's let's give it a whack." So we fixed it, and, or not fixed it. We just made it, yeah, I know. made it cool, <laughs> made it make well, the record. I mean, yeah. And to be honest with you, like I said, with production songwriting, you could take all these songs here and you could write them differently and a production differently. I mean, they could go anyway with them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and and a good thing with it is they all fit. They all work together with continuity. You know, even. The fool's one. You be good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> Come on a second. <laughs> I, was, I was listening to it earlier. I was like, what's well, yeah. um, <laughs> So, uh, he's bringing in Lost on the Road. <laughs> yeah, freaking out. No copyright. It was only on for less than 10 seconds. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what the rules are. Um, so, talk. let's talk gear for a little bit. I mean, you, uh, your instruments. Yeah, now I've noticed on your Instagram or is it in Facebook, whatever social media, cleaning up some guitars and what have you been using? For, what would you use for gear in this album? Uh, I used a a Tomaster Fender head for most of it, uh, which is the, the vintage. It was the boutique Fender put out, kind of like their their boutique amp they put out in like I, don't know, I want to say the early two thousands um, through a four twelve cab, mm-hmm. cranked up in the garage you know one mic a 57 on it um that was kind old of my school work. yeah old school as it gets like like straight up uh you know baffled up in the garage brought into this into the control room cranked up different mess with different you know we, we could really hear the difference coming out of the uh out of the monitors because the amp mm-hmm. was in there um and a bunch of different guitars you know uh telecasters i played a lot of les pauls i played uh what else? A couple of Dobros. The acoustic was all mainly my uh, my Guild Jumbo sixty nine Guild that I used to write everything on. That's mm-hmm. just is just the workhorse for every record I've ever made, pretty much. Um, what else? I used a uh, my old Marshall head, which is a, a nineteen seventy nine Mark II uh, hundred watt, just a beast. Wow. Uh, it was modded by uh, Stevie, who who started uh, VHT. I don't know if you know um, mm. VHT. Fry it, Stevie Fry it. He modded it years ago, back in the Bang Tango days. It made every. It was on every Bang Tango record we ever did. Um, just like 
hot rod is like hot as van halen style you know um yeah use that on fools like you and a couple of uh, rusty bones just for that really like old school heavy, like heavy. martial heaviness yeah use that uh what other amps i think that's really the only two i used the two heads and that was it so the same cab um i think kyle stevens used he used some uh he came over and did some guitars and uh, on like three songs and he used the uh the fry it preamp uh you know the modulating sounds you know yep. simulators you got a pretty good sound of those so you know we use those um but pretty real a couple mics on the acoustic baffles you know um let's see i used a mxl uh, vocal mic for all the vocals this old beater condenser mic i've used on every record that edward my engineer just loves it i'm like well, let's get a Neumann. come on let's step it up like, this thing sounds cool i'm like all right so we use that you know i, I built like this this whole baffle like uh control like kind of a vocal booth here and uh and um what else all the bass work was done through you know different people's basically gear, gear. yeah i didn't i didn't do any of the bass here yeah what about uh, pedals, whether on the album yeah, or into in, in playing um, out? I mean, I used uh, a small stone phaser on a lot of the like Flandry kind of like um, tremolo stuff. Hmm. Uh, tube Screamer, I used uh, Crybaby Pedal. I used, um, let's see, what else for this record? Um, an old fuzz, like an Ibanez fuzz, fuzz pedal that I found, like somebody had given oh. me years ago, found out it was like unbelievable sounding. Uh, and use that on another man's woman. We plugged in. I tamper with it. My uh, and Edward came by to, to record. And he's like, dude, that thing. He goes, you got to hide that. Put that in the vault. That thing is unbelievable. It's like this, like weird, you know, um, like early '90s Ibanez, like gray, weird pedal that I found. Um, what else did I use effects wise? I think that's it. You know, all the all the reverbs, delay were in post. You know, <clears throat> in the studio, like when mixing. Yeah, I just kind of curious. I more of a personal thing. I was kind of curious, and I always like to know what pedals people are using. You know, so I use a, a couple different things um, live in my pedal board. I, I use a, a EB booster, like it's a booster little, it's a little tiny thing, and basically I keep that on all the time at a low volume, and that just kind of like pops everything a little bit. Then mm -hmm. I use a couple different buffers in my pedal boards because that keeps the signal consistent from cable to amp, so it sounds the same. Um, I use like a, a splitter box that also has a buffer in it. So those two things I use a lot live to keep that, um, that real plug-in sound, like you're plugging right into the head. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, that's really, I don't use a lot of effects, you know, the, the old well, I know, I know, I know, yeah, and I know, sorry, I know live, a lot of artists, you know, you don't want to get too crazy with pedals. There's a few artists that can, but you usually have to have like a team of roadies to get your stuff together with racks and a second hand. Yeah. And, you know you need to really go deep but if you're doing that you know a lot of clubs and stuff you're setting up you don't want to have a lot of you need to be changing and, and, and use the guitar what you have and use the sound the more organic and standard you are to something the more flexibility you're going to have you know when yeah, you're playing. yeah yeah no I, I keep it simple you know i mean i also use like a flashback uh ec electronics for like my delays it's like the bang tango stuff like someone like you and those things it's a, it's a great little panel it it gets that really authentic kind of digital delay sound um i use that but everything's you know i split everything into two heads so i run stereo um 
but like I try to keep it simple, like you said, because I mean, uh, Kyle Stevens, my guitar player in Bang Tango, I mean, he mm-hmm. he has a pedal board that's like literally a two level tier. It's just everything. You can, I mean, the thing's got like lights and smoke that comes out of it when he puts it on the stage. I'm like, like, dude, man, the more pedals, the more time, more chances the things go wrong. But uh, he's just he loves it all. He loves all that stuff. So, you know, I keep it pretty, pretty straightforward, you know, not not too crazy, but not like purists where. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I mean, more more artists are more towards you. And then, you know, if, if you go the other way and there's no wrong answer, it's just always interesting, you know. Like I was like, no, actually, heavier light strings. What kind of what gauge are you using? Are you a heavy string guy ten, or uh, ten ten gauge E string, so ten forty six to ten. I use we're half step down, so <clears throat> it's on the acoustic. I use uh, like uh, the twelve twelve gauge like E string, so it's yeah. heavier, you know. But I I don't use like like nines or anything like that. But we tune a half step no. down, so it's already lose, you know, pretty much. And then I do open tunings too, so those, but I uh, t- tens basically, yeah. Eudario, so, yeah, yeah. You know, for a while, I was, when I started playing, I still a few years ago, I was playing like regular, you know, tens or whatever, and they start getting really, really heavy, and they're like, "We're like Stevie Ray Vaughan." And you play it for a while, and you're like, "All right, I, I switch back," but switching back from heavy to, to, me, to mediums again is great. You just feel like <laughs> it's like <laughs> you're running without any shoes on. It's, it's, all, it's all light again. Yeah, um, I mean, I always had played tens like Kyle, my other you know guitar player. I keep bringing him up because he's like a gear guy, you know. He he uses. I found out the other day he came over when we did the tracks. And he's like, he uses nines, and we're half step. I'm like, he goes, nobody has to know, man. It's easier. <laughs> like, okay, I won't tell anybody. Because years ago he was like a Stevie Ray song freak, and he'd be like, you know, using like 12, 12 gauge E strings and yeah. like Stevie, you know. But hard, so, yeah. Well, there'll be a time, yeah. Maybe uh, next time we'll get him on with you guys, and we'll do something. Well, you guys are probably something going on next year with the tango. Yeah, guys yeah. Too. Hopefully, we get out and start playing, and also bang tangos. Hopefully, we're gonna do some stuff. You know, uh, we plan to plan to do some shows. We're just you know waiting on the green light. Um, but um, how will that know? work? If if so, with you touring, I assume you're gonna tour yourself when you can, right? Or yeah. Something, something like local or regional. Depend. Probably depends on what's going on. And then with the schedule with Bang Tango being back now, how's that going to, because it's, well, well, maybe this version, like, we're not, version we're not, Tango, right? I'll be honest with you. We're not about to be doing any touring, like touring, touring, you know, it's going to be more of um, kind of like special, special gigs, like festivals and, um, you know, fly, not, out, fly out things. Type yeah. Of fly out, like mainly probably what we'll be doing because, um, you know, I don't, I don't see the band like going out and doing some big tour unless it was like, you know, we got offered something huge, but um, you know, just because, you know, guys have businesses and jobs and um, I mean, you never know. I'm not saying it's, it's out of the question, well, but you know, uh, yeah. One of the things I've heard is, is it seems like the, the way, especially for this style of music right now is a lot of these flat shows for the weekends are usually a better deal because you're not saturated yeah. in the market. You're getting your cash, you're coming out. You're usually making more money because you're not on the road. Your expenses are different. You're not trying to catch a second show where a club's going to screw you. You're not beating each other up. So you're not, you know what I mean? There's yeah. so many plus to that. Plus we're older. Who wants to be in a, you know, in a van with a bunch of guys for like six yeah. nights? We can't do it. I don't even want to be go across a, ta- across a town in my car full of kids, let alone <laughs> a <laughs> I mean, I just like, honestly, like, ah, man, 
you know, I'm 56, pushing 57 here. I mean, not like I couldn't do it, but like, you know, guys that have been doing it at our age go out with like, you know, killer. I mean, not all of them. I mean, I'm, I'm saying like super suckers go out in a van still and those guys are pushing 50, whatever. Uh, but, you know, do I want to do that in my life at this point? Uh, I mean, not trying to be like, you know, oh, I need to be the playing the best plots ever. I mean, I think with the unsung heroes and my stuff, it'll probably be like, you know, West Coast, regional kind of like kind mm-hmm. of locally kind of stuff, you know, um, you know, unless, you know, somebody, you know, we're talking about stuff that's like seems non-existent anymore, right? <laughs> with the pandemic. Right, right. But, but like, I mean, imagine, you know, if some, some band off, offered us an opening slot, of course, we, we jump on that, you know, um, but geez, touring is just like, remember those days like <laughs> that's what it feels like uh, it's gonna be interesting when it when it does open up i think it's gonna be um the market's gonna be crazy i, I don't even know you know because my, buddy, uh, my buddy's in uh uh the almond bets band you know Dwayne bets yep. and those yeah. guys are not playing you know they just did like i don't know they did like a couple of weeks in texas recently and they're all social distancing but it just still has this weird darkness awkwardness about it to me like should they really right. be doing, like i'm gonna play live um yeah, but uh, but their family, they have the family name lineage. They're not allowed to not tour. Like legally, I think it's actually legally you know they have to tour. The road goes on forever, right? For the, if you're if you're an almond or a bets, you you yeah. You you're be only in your house two weeks a year. That's it. It's probably I think it's li- somewhere legally. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, that's true. There has yeah, never those, been you know those guys. You know they and they're they're doing their dad's trip, so they better be touring. And you get out on the road, boy. <laughs> They do good. They do good. I think they do it justice. I think, you know, yeah. I love I love to see that generationally a lot, a lot of artists are carrying on now. You know? Yeah, you they, the they're overlap. doing it really well. And they put it all, they, they join forces, you know, Barry Oakley and, and Dwayne mm-hmm. and uh, and Devin, and they put it all together. And I think it's great. Um, I think they get along better than their parents did, too. It's even better. <laughs> I think they get along better than their parents did, too. Different times. <laughs> well, unfortunately, <laughs> two, of, two of those guys died early, you know? Yeah. In the 70s or something yeah but love that band times. Yeah. yeah um yeah it's even great uh to see, see that kind of stuff i i don't know what's gonna happen for that for um touring myself it's gonna be interesting you know it was gonna have albums coming out i think you know it's like should i release an album so it's interesting you did an album now like you know do you think we were you concerned to not to release it now or wait you know what i it was done in 2020, but I'm like, absolutely not going to put it out in 2020. So I waited, yeah. I waited three months. I think it was done in November and, you know, I could have put it out, but I'm just like, no, yeah, I mean, I knew nothing. It wasn't going to make a huge difference from 2020 to 2021, but I just felt like, you know, February is like the darkest depths of winter for all of us right now. Yeah. Hey, let's just do. It's a, it's kind of a you know it's got kind of dark vibes about it. The record. Well, there, there's there's no wrong way of releasing an album right now. Some people want to wait. Some people want to do it early. I think that all's fine because it, it's it's mixing it up. You know, like I couldn't have waited. Like if I had an album done, yeah, my wife it? would have been like, my wife would have made me put it out because she'd been like, you make me crazy every day. You're talking about the album. Release that's it. That's what my before wife said. Your, before I kill you in your sleep, you need to release a damn album. That's, right? what, she, that's what she says. Yeah. She, she's like, there you're you go. driving me crazy on this thing. She said this record killed her. She's like, Just, yeah. Been more, You've never been more like um, focused and psycho about it. I'm like, well, because I had all the time to do it. I could sit there and, you know, just perfect it as best yep. as I could. What else am I going to do? <laughs> can't well, do or it, can't play. So it came out, it came out worth it. You know, and I always say that the, uh, all the albums coming out now, everyone better come out with their best album. 
they're coming out with their Van Halen one or their Van Halen two. Because you can't be on tour, you can't be like, oh, I got thirteen album covers together right now. Exactly. Been home. Yeah. There is no. I didn't have time because I'm on tour. I got to steal. I got to get another album out. Go on tour. No. Yeah, it's like your first record all over again, right? When you were a kid, you like had a collection of the best songs from. Yeah, everyone's had like about a year, year and a half now, uh, to to write some music. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I'm already writing new stuff, but um, you know, I figured just put it out. Jeez, I don't know what am I gonna do with it? Sit here and just like you know, it's and people are dying for music right now, and people are like. They want fresh music. It's it gets them through these weird times, and especially like you know, everybody's freezing their asses off in the country right now, and mm-hmm. might as well uh, might as well give them some music to get them through it. And uh, you know, why hoard it? I mean, what am I going to wait for till everything? Well, it's not going to go bad. It's not it's not bread. You can still tour on it afterwards. You know what I mean, yeah. you know, so it wasn't like it wasn't like you were the only person that couldn't do anything because of the pandemic. You know, what I mean, it's like you know, yeah. where's Barkman yeah. the whole time for the pandemic? You know, I think you can do it. You can do some videos. You know. Yeah, we weren't like a big touring band anyways. Like I've done, you know, my share of touring with the Unsung Heroes, but it's, you know, it's just kind of a local band. We don't, we don't tour a lot. And it wasn't like a big machine that we had to stop, you know, for that high band, you know, it, it's kind of, I do a lot of acoustic shows, a lot of like intimate solo stuff. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like some big, oh my God, I can't put a record out and not tour, you know, like some of these, these bands, you know, they, they just really... It must be weird for me it isn't that weird it is weird i can't even go out and do a a live gig to like to have a party to celebrate this yeah. record you know i'm doing a live feed on on saturday this weekend at my house like the pirates Cove thing i do which mm-hmm. is just me and my my wife and like you know i got my buddy mark t playing with me but it's kind of like geez i can't even like gather all my, my my friends and family and go rock out the record so that was weird but yeah what are you gonna do <laughs> Well, there'll be time. You can do a yeah. makeup party, right? I mean, I had my, my daughter's graduation, I had I actually gave her the diploma because nobody could do it. We had masks and tents and everyone was separate. So oh, it's been weird from everybody. That was a weird time. But yeah, uh, yeah I we, the last question I have for you, I was going to ask you. So because crowds can be demanding, so when you play out acoustically, and I know you've done it, you've, you've done your own version of some Bang Tango song, which are nice because you'll sing it, you, you craft it to your own voice, which is important for a singer to do. To sing in your own style. I think that's the worst thing a singer could do is try singing somebody else's style that's not theirs. Right. So I've enjoyed some of the Bang Tango songs you've done like acoustically. And I think you, uh, uh, Kyle, you guys have some nice uh, versions. Do you have to do it live with other people? Like when you play out, do people expect you to do it? Is there any kind of... Or- no, because I've never done it really. So there's no demand for it. I mean, no precedent? People, not really. I mean, I started kind of doing some of the songs acoustic because, you know my wife's like, you should do someone like you. So I did a version of it acoustic and kind of went over pretty good. So um, I've never been really like, I've never like done bang tango stuff because I just can't sing like that, that high register voice. He sings like a lot of people can't, (laughs) you know, so I've, I've taken a couple of the songs and, and done my versions of them. I've done attack live and a couple of different songs over the years, but it's never been a thing where people come to, to see me play and be like, you need to do like, you know, someone like you. Like I, I don't really, I've had a couple, a couple times in my hundreds of gigs where somebody yelled out like, you need to play bang tango, like maybe once or twice, but for the most I part. Learned, I would have just done like a really deep cut off of like when you're like last album and like, so like, it was like, what? You're like, that's bang tango. If you're a fan, yeah, you know it. Yeah. They wouldn't even know. <laughs> Go like really deep with it, yeah. yeah. Just to harass like a, everybody. Love after death or something. Um, yeah. But like, I I actually got uh, 
it's funny you say this because a huge Bang Tango fan um, hired me to play her wedding um, in April. So I learned a couple of the, the like, just for you and some of the ballady type stuff. Yeah. And, and I've been out, out in my backyard, like, learning. And, yeah, I can pull it off, you know. I do it differently. I do, you know. It, it's tough to, like, sing up in that register he sings in, you know. Um, so I kind of stay away from it with the band just because – I just can't sing that that high and it's just not my style but you're also getting older i'm sure joe's like man why didn't i write these songs a little bit lower now because every singer says that when they get older like man if i yeah. just i mean i could do it but if only i knew i'd be singing this in 20 30 years yeah, you know? robert plant man they tuned the whole band down a whole step when they did <laughs> I, mean, I mean look how high he was singing though it's insane yeah i mean it's just ridiculous and you know uh i wouldn't i wouldn't want to have to sing those songs like in my in my 50s late 50s <laughs> no joe, joe came in and belted it out you know it took a couple couple rehearsals to kind of hone it in and we discussed maybe tuning down even more but you know he really uh come gig time he just he just went for it when we do the whiskey show he gave it everything yeah, yeah. And we're just like yeah man you're doing it sounded it. good i i, I like the song right? line you know it sounded good life you know yeah, it's it's hard. he really he really sang up there back in the day you know in 20s 20 early yeah, that, 20s like, well that's the thing you're listening to him man's like man because you know how are you gonna carry it off how are you gonna do it? you gonna adjust for it you're gonna age gracefully you know can you still do it you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> Well, I good. never did that because I always sing in a low register my whole entire singing career. So wow. I, even when I go back to my songs when I was younger, I mean, they're, they're a little bit more growlier and edgier, but yeah, I can, you know, my voice is, just gets better over the years because I didn't strain it or try to sing in some fake voice I didn't have. Like I was over the top trying to sound like, you know, Bon Scott or something. <laughs> I just, I just knew I could never do it. So I didn't even try. Well, that's good. Cause I mean, you really found your voice. It, 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 it shows. And I think, um, it's an enjoyable album. I awesome. liked it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so Perfect much for having me. Well, thanks for listening to my all my opinions of how you should have your music, right? I love it, man. It's great. <laughs> I'll be kind of remind me of my old producer, Howard Benson. You know Howard Benson? Yeah. You I do I've know? heard of him. I don't know. No, yeah, I've yeah, heard of him. Kind of, I know. Kind of reminded him. You got like kind of a yeah. dry, intelligent sense of kind of humor about you. There, I'm oh, like this, like talking to Howard Benson. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you. Give you a compliment. Yeah. I. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I want to have you back again. We can talk again. I want to thank um, you for the show tonight. We'll all look off your album. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean, for having me. And we'll keep in touch. And I'll uh, send you the links. And uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Me too. Take care, man. Bye. All right. Peace.